Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome back to the TNBA pod. We've got a burner for you today to warm up your December. Few, few news items at the top here. Keep your eye on this space. In the coming weeks, we're going to be launching one of our first new products in a really long time. You all know we've been working on Dynamite Jobs, of course, the best remote first job board in the world, and remote first recruiting, which is our recruiting agency focused specifically on finding you your next great remote employee. And this new product is focused specifically on business operations, business fundamentals, and I'm really excited about it. So stick around, and in the coming weeks, we're going to talk more details of a product we're preliminarily calling DC Scale or Dynamite Scale. We'll get into that. Also having a DC holiday party here in Austin, Texas. It's open to the public if you email me. If you're entrepreneurial, if you run a company, why don't you swing by to our Christmas party here in Austin? It's going to be on 15th of December. Email me, Dan, at tropicalmba.com. Speaking of events, man, we have an incredible DCX schedule in 2023. If you're an established remote first founder and you want to go in the DC Hodge next year and go to Mexico and Miami and Bangkok and London and Barcelona, all these amazing places we're going to be, check out the Dynamite Circle. Incredible lineup that we're working on for 2023. The DCX events, of course, are member-led events. And the ones that our internal team does are the big ones in Mexico City and Bangkok. If you're curious about all this, do sign up for our mailing list at tropicalmba.com. I don't want to spend too much podcast time talking about all the news, but there's tons and tons of news. Over the past couple of years, I've written sort of an annual roundup that sums all this stuff up in one place, one fun holiday read. So get on our newsletter. I'll be sending that out by the end of the year. And speaking of which, even that website is getting a rebrand for 2023. So exciting times. Things seem to be moving fast for us and certainly for today's guest who joined us in Bangkok. And I wanted to speak with him further about the lessons and experiments he's been running in his agency. So I know I sound like a little bit of a broken record here, but I love following people's journeys in real time because for me, it's always really inspiring. Sometimes the postmortems are complicated to follow, complicated to figure out what's real. You know, there's, there's montages in a movie where all the hard work gets done. It's like, wait a second, what happened in the montage? Like how much training, how much work, how much luck, what, what happened there? And so today we're going to expand the montage, so to speak, and take a look under the hood of a business that's growing quickly. Today's guest is Jonathan Solarzano. He's the founder of Solo Media Group, and he first joined us on the show in June of 2020 when he talked about the ups and downs, but mostly the ups. John's a very glass half full guy, which I really respect about him, of running an agency made up of developers based in Latin America. Yes, yeah, so Solo Media Inc., I'd say our, our main value prop is that we are reliable web developers. We white label for a lot of agencies. Can you describe what white labeling means? Yeah, so white labeling, 
it means doing all the work and then somebody else passes it off as their own. <laughs> I love that <laughs> definition. <laughs> Now, back in 2020, John was making a decent and reliable fifteen dollars to $20,000 a month from his agency. But sometimes, you know, when you get that payroll and clients coming in, that revenue is lumpy. So he's done two things to address this and to grow the business overall. First, he's found a way of getting paid more reliably by focusing on a niche, a TMBA touchstone, and somewhat controversial at times. In his case, Shopify owners. This is a topic I like to talk about because I feel the emotional difficulties. Like, well, if we say we do remote recruiting for SaaS companies, like what if an e-commerce company comes along? Uh, you know, like it's a really hard thing to do. And also he's challenged himself, another emotionally difficult thing to connect on social media in a way that is building his authority and even doing it just a very small, narrow audience, but putting yourself out there has really changed things for John. So let's get to Solo Media version 2022 and how that differs from just two years ago. And just as a comparison, John now has a team of around 17 members and is currently hovering around 70K a month of reliable revenue. And most importantly, the quality and the lumpiness of that revenue has changed dramatically. John's, of course, looking to get to that elusive seven-figure run rate. I'm pretty sure he'll do that in short order. So without further ado, let's jump into the story. Hey, my name is John Solarzano, and I run a team of Shopify developers. One of the things that's changed in the, since the last time I've been on the pod is I used to do a lot of like milestone stuff, like we'll do the work, then you pay us. Now everything is paid up front. Hey, you want this work? Buy this block of hours. You have a subscription. If you want an account manager and you want a better like service, then you get on a subscription. And then if you're on a subscription, you can even get a discount on your hour blocks so that you're like a preferred customer, right? So that 60, 70K feels so much better than that 60, 70K where you're like, hey, I need, you know, my milestones done, ready to get the payment and you have to float money and you have to figure it out. So that 60, 70K, it helps you make a lot better decisions because that money comes in first, right? So you've de-lumpified it, number one. Yeah. One of the things I like about having you back on the show, John, is we're sort of like following along with your journey in real time. How would you describe like the epoch you're in right now? You're about that million dollar run rate. What got you there? You're smoothing out the revenue curve. Yeah, how would you describe where you're at? That's a good question. I think um, as I was looking through like the different stages, so doing the talk at, at DCBKK forced me to kind of look like in retrospect. So let me introduce this. I didn't say this yet, John, but you were one of our main stage speakers at DCBKK, which is really interesting because Last year, before you came on this podcast, you were basically like, I don't really know what I have to share. I'm pretty nervous to come on the show. <laughs> and then this year, you were on the freaking main stage in front of 400 entrepreneurs. So something happened in 12 months. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate it. I mean, it was still nerve wracking. But yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on there. I think you always talk about it with the thousand day rule, right? Kind of like freelancing. And then we went from freelancing to trying to just like do whatever we can to make money. Then we went to white labeling, where white labeling, I kind of got my feet and was able to actually, you know, I, now I have a salary. Now we have some money coming in. And then once I got there, this is where I kind of, for lack of better words, f***ed up. I was like, oh, cool. Like, now let me build some software because I don't want to run an agency. You're listening to all these, my first million and all these other podcasts, all these great ideas. So I'm like, let me pivot to SaaS. Let me do this. And I feel like I wasted that year when if that year I could be doing what I did now. 
that year I was just trying to, you know, I built three softwares. I was, let's try some crypto. Let's try some of this. It was just me being, uh, I think my ego let me get the best of me that year. That was 2021. Let's talk about that, John, because let's talk about the fork in the road for agencies. We've talked about, and I'm going to put these like arbitrary principles to it, which is my job. Feel free to disagree with them. But there's a fork in the road for agency owners. You got to the point where you're making a living and you've done it. You've thousand day principle. You've replaced a professional income. Now you can travel. Now you can decide what you're going to do. And what you decide to do is instead of growing a great agency, you decide to take some of the profits and to build a product, which is a very common roadmap. Now you think that's a mistake in retrospect. Why? I think it had to do with when things get hard, like I wasn't addressing the hard problem in the agency. And the hard problem in the agency is that I didn't have an identity. I didn't have a consistent marketing channel. I had consistent leads because of the white label, but that could have been taken away in a day, right? And then I didn't even worry about the management What was the white label again? Can you flesh out what that was, that lead source? Doing work for agencies and they pass it off as their own, right? So we're behind the scenes. So we had a couple of agencies that would send work and then, you know, sometimes they wouldn't, but we would switch on and off. But we never kept those clients, right? That's the agency's clients. No matter how good the work we did was, they kept those clients. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that I didn't think about in retrospect. Like, I'm not building this compounding interest that other companies would have by having clients to reach back out to after years or whatever. So what really resonates is when you say you weren't facing the hard problems. And I realized I wasn't facing the hard problems when I created what I thought was a great idea, which was like a, a dashboard for Discord communities that could collect subscriptions. I was like, this is great. There's not that many people in the market doing this. And there's so many communities in Discord. And then I needed to do marketing for it. And then I needed to find customers for it. And then I was like, I'm right back at where I started over here. But the mm. only difference is this thing isn't making me money. And I remember one of my senior devs, Jonathan, he kept asking me, he's like, Hey man, we launched the product. When are the customers coming? And I swear to God, dude, he would ask me every day. He's like, hey man, did you start the, the email campaigns? Did you start the, and I was like, yeah, man, this, nobody's coming. And then I realized, I was like, yeah, I don't even know how to do this stuff. And I just jumped from here to here because that's my comfort zone, right? And that's when that switch kind of was like, well, this isn't making me money. And if I'm going to face these hard problems, let's face it in a place where we can make more money. We got a new sponsor, everybody. It's Content Refined. Are you a website owner who doesn't have the time to manage your sites? Whether you have an affiliate site, an e-commerce store, or a website dedicated to your business, Content Refined can help. Content Refined provides hands-off content management, a dedicated project manager and editorial team, keyword research and content planning, high-quality SEO-optimized content, and publishing to your site. And what's better is they offer a free consultation to review your site's goals and create a long-term strategy for content creation. Their goal is always to increase your organic traffic and keyword rankings. And because you're listening to this today, Content Refined is offering a 20% discount to TMBA listeners. Just go to contentrefined.com slash TMBA to claim your discount now. That's contentrefined.com slash TMBA. And a big thanks to the team at Content Refined for sponsoring the TMBA podcast. Tell us the products that you built. It was called Community Genie. It was a Discord bot. Great name. I had this idea from indie hackers that I kind of semi-stole. It's basically like a boilerplate SaaS in a box. And we used a certain technology that we didn't see somebody else had. It was Vue.js. 
and uh, MongoDB. So we're like, hey, if we built this boilerplate, then other people could use it to build their SaaSes, which we priced it at a thousand, never sold one. And then we, we tried a Shopify app that was like a pullout cart with upsells. And there's a lot of people in the marketplace that do that already, but we had enough customers asking us or enough agencies asking us that like, we should just build our own app and charge, you know, X amount for it. None of them worked. Do you have a sense for how much time or money those things took? I had my best devs on them. You know, my best devs are making anywhere between three to five grand a month, maybe six. Each product maybe took three months to launch, maybe 20 to 25 grand. How did the reckoning happen? First, finding that I didn't have any of the skill sets to grow this SaaS, and I had to invest in understanding those skill sets, whether it's, you know, how do I market this, going to conferences. So then once I realized I didn't have the skill set and I was like, well, it's not making me money, then 2022 started creeping around, inflation and prices of everything was going up. You start realizing, like, do I want to upgrade my lifestyle? The guys are upgrading their lifestyle. They're moving to Spain. They're moving to Chile. Everyone's kind of like becoming better at their craft. And what that means is I had one of my best devs. He left, you know, he found a better job with more money and Richardson, I still love him, but you know, I was happy for him. And I was like, well, well this is going to keep happening if I don't start raising everyone's mm. rates. Because, you know, when we started, we were an outsource. Now we're no longer, I don't even market us as outsource because we're professionals in what we do, right? I have to start paying these guys like professionals. And what does that look like? So I think I mentioned that in the talk that I went to raise my rates to the white label guys. I said, hey, we're raising our rates. They were like, yeah, well, the guys in Ukraine that we white label to, they're a lot cheaper. That was like 50, 60% of our revenue, this one agency. So wow. at that moment, I realized... I left working a job so I wouldn't have a boss, but I felt like now I had a boss that told me like, nah, you're, you're no good for a raise. And that kind of pissed mm -hmm. me off. Your team is up leveling. You're feeling downward pressure in the marketplace because you don't have a marketing channel. And now you're spending your money on these cool software toys. It's fascinating because there's so many principles. One is like, would you rather solve an audience problem or a product problem? Right. And... I'd rather solve a product problem personally because the audience one is hard. It's a very hard problem to solve. How do you get people to come and to use your things? The other thing is um, this kind of concept of focus. And sometimes when concepts are so big, they're easy to ignore. And I think about how as bootstrappers, we're already, like we have some strengths, but one of our weaknesses is our total force in the marketplace. You know, we don't have a ton of capital and resources. And so then when you take somebody who's already behind the ball in terms of resources and then you split it 50-50. Yep. And I've felt that so much in the past couple of years, like just doing a lot of different projects and just feeling that sense of losing force. Yeah. When we were making apps, so we created this cool search engine app that if, let's say you had your podcast, you can search and it would bring up all the podcasts that you've ever done. And let's say I search, uh, you know, bootstrap. It'll take me to that moment in the video exactly when you said bootstrap. So when we built that, I said, let's just build this for Noah Kagan and see if he'll buy it or see what he says about it. So we built it for him. And the guy, he sent me a video message back. He's like, dude, this is, this is freaking cool. But it doesn't have anything to do with my goals. I'll let you know if it ever does. Thanks for doing this, man. That was like also another trigger. Noah has relentless focus on whatever he's doing. And I was like, I need to do that. You know, I need to stop being like going all around the place. <laughs> Eventually, I ended up, you know, Eamon put this, he started doing like this 5 a.m. challenge. I was like, this is the perfect chance for me to get to know Eamon. And then he sold this like. So Eamon is the former CEO of AppSumo. 
he has this planner, like how to get your goals done in 90 days. So I bought the planner and it was cool because it was like one-on-one consulting just by buying this planner with Eamon. And I was really able to break down the goal of like, okay, what is it that I want to do? And then once I was able to break that down and I said, I'm not doing any of this other side crap, that's when things started getting really interesting. You started to get the hints that your side projects weren't going to work and that you were kind of ignoring the hard problem. It sounds like working through Eamon's program, was that the main thing that, what was it that, that you were like, I got to take a look at this hard problem. And then how did the hard problem manifest? I knew the hard problem was I didn't have a clear marketing channel. I didn't have my own leads that were coming in. I want to get to that 83,000, right? And the hard problem is like, how do I get there then? And then so plugging it, I knew I had that problem. So then Eamon's program helped me break it down into steps that then I can execute, right? This might be obvious to a lot of people like goal planning and breaking it down into steps, but it wasn't obvious for me. Why wasn't it obvious? I don't know. Maybe I've spent so much time just like uh, for the past four years building the agency, just trying to like piece things together. And, you know, when you Mm -hmm. just piece things together for so long, maybe that's that was what was my comfort zone, like just putting it all together with no organization. So what did you do? Walk us through some of the what that hard thing looked and felt like and then what were some of the things you started to do? Yeah. So one of the things was that we needed to figure out like, what is it that we we only want to do, right? And uh, the best clients we had were by far the Shopify merchants that had a certain amount of revenue and that had sort of like a point person, a, a marketing manager, a CMO, or somebody that was a point person that can work with us directly to implement their campaigns and their dreams or whatever they needed. So once we figured out we were only going to do Shopify that had this certain revenue and we were looking for these people, I said, all right, well, how Wait, are these- can I absorb in here? I know what this yeah. is. It's an ICP. <laughs> it's an ideal client profile. And if you're wa- listening along at home, this is a process that great coaching programs, executives, coaches will walk you through. So if you're listening to this pod and you're like, ah, what, what does John's thing have to do? Let's sit down, everybody, and write down our ICPs. I did it after hanging out with Eamon as well. And it was a very illuminating thing because you're writing down these ICPs. And now I know my guy's name is Ethan. (laughs) (laughs) And I talk about Ethan a lot to our company. I also have one called Sarah. And I talk about Sarah a lot. And I talk about like what they want. And that's not always what our company wants. And so you have to make some tough decisions sometimes, you know, because we're here for the Ethan's the one that keeps the lights on, you know? So did you guys have a name for your ICP? No, I I didn't give him a name. In our company, we have this one client, Dana, that we love. And we always reference this. So Dana, Dana is the ideal client. Dana, the CMO. Daring Dana. So Daring Dana... They work for a professional organization of a certain revenue level such that you guys aren't dealing with flaky founders, for example, that like can't respond to their email. That's one big problem with dealing with small companies. One of the things I've been thinking, John, is like the difference between a founder and a genuine operator in a company is sometimes enormous. You nailed it. Why Dana is such a great client is because she has her goals and metrics that she needs to reach and and go over to her boss. And she needs somebody reliable that can execute on those goals and metrics. So she needs a reliable person there. If they hired one dev, that person might not be reliable to execute all their campaigns. If they hired an agency that took forever or does poor work, they can't, you know what I mean? So that person has a lot riding on making sure these KPIs are met in their company and they're depending on us to do it. So our role is to make sure that we make Dana look good. 
As founders of remote companies, we all face hiring challenges, like hiring today instead of next week or next quarter, scaling our teams quickly, and even just defining what we want in a candidate, where to find them, how much to pay them, and how to recruit them. There's a lot of questions. Hiring's complicated, but it doesn't need to be with RemoteFirstRecruiting.com. It's a service from our team where we help founders like you solve these hiring hangups. Even if you're not hiring today, you gotta take advantage of our 15-minute free strategy call. It's with our senior recruiter, Greg Valentine. He's not a sales guy. He's a senior recruiter, industry expert, and he's helped place hundreds of remote candidates and companies just like yours. He can discuss with you the patterns we're seeing in the marketplace, share with you case studies, and talk about how you can build a rock-solid hiring strategy. Hiring doesn't need to be hard. Let our team do the heavy lifting. TMBA listeners, take advantage of this strategy call. It's a simple way to grow a better business. So head on over to our site, remotefirstrecruiting.com, where we believe hiring the right talent is the best way to grow a great remote business. Schedule a call with our team today at remotefirstrecruiting.com. All right. So you come up with an ideal client profile, but that's the easy part. What your goals are to get past a million dollars in revenue, you know, you need to build a marketing channel. It's an incredibly hard problem. How do you start to break it down? Yeah. So hanging out with Eamon and kind of seeing what he was doing, building his product, uh, shed some light where I was like, I see what he's doing when it comes to like content creation and stuff. And I started thinking like, okay, well, where are the CMOs hanging out? Where, how are they making decisions? And these CMOs, you know, they're probably my age. How am I consuming content? I don't have data to back this stuff. I just did it based on what I know, how I make decisions and how, you know, I spoke to Dana, I spoke to some people and how they make decisions. And I was like, well, people are consuming this short form video content and they're, that's like really top of the funnel, right? So I said, if I could just start answering the questions that I answer on all our sales calls or all our client calls, and just put it in short form video. I'm just going to spread that out through TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn. And what's happening twofold there in my head was at least if I'm doing cold outreach, now I'm a person. There's a face behind this cold outreach as opposed to just like some agency that you don't know or who it is, right? So like I might be getting ahead of myself, but the short form content was like the foundation of everything. Let's put some personality behind this so that we're not just, uh, we're not like every other agency. Is Shopify or Shopify Plus the right platform for you? I get this question a lot from merchants, and I think it really depends on what stage of the business the store is on. So let me explain. There's a couple of questions that I usually ask a merchant that make them lean more towards Shopify Plus. One is, how many employees do you have? If you have over 10 people working on the store, you know, between marketing, developers, content writers, usually I'm going to lean towards Shopify Plus. One of the things about that, John, is like you're not a natural self-promoter. At least, you know, you're not like Mr. So how did you deal with that, given that like these TikTok videos are like, yo, I'm Dan. And like, here's how you build a lifestyle business. Yeah, well, I'm not doing it for clicks. I'm not doing it for likes and I'm not doing it for follows, right? Like I'm literally doing it to answer questions that I know people have. So some of my videos that I think are like, whoa, this was like a $20,000 question. If somebody, the right person sees this and sees like they can save so much money, like they're, they're probably the lowest engagement. But to me, those are the ones that like the one person sees it to me, that's enough. Right. So my whole goal was never like likes, follows and all that. It was all like, 
I'm answering the question that daring Dana would want the answer to if she accidentally stumbled on this video. Really interesting. And the higher you go up the food chain, the less likely people are to engage in your social media content. Another thing to really keep in mind, and it reminds me of in the podcasting space, John, this concept of like who your guest is is often more important than who your audience is because you get that opportunity to actually speak with someone in a serious manner for an hour. And that particular conversation that you have with a CMO on a podcast, whatever, might only need to be listened to five other people who mention it to two other people. And then you've got a much bigger ROI than if even you had a viral video about a less relevant topic. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and I think because I'm not, like you said, like a promoter, for me, I was just talking about things that I know people are like, these are real conversations. So I'm just answering questions. What's the second strategy you employed? After we started getting our own clients as opposed to white labeling, we would end up doing like these Shopify Plus builds. And these Shopify Plus builds, you get on the call with the Shopify Plus, you know, account manager. So I started connecting with them. And then I'm like, oh, like I should probably start connecting with everyone else in this ecosystem. So what I started doing was then I took account of all the apps we used for all our stores. Like, for example, Recharge Subscriptions is one of the ones we always recommend to our clients. We recommended it because it's the best one in the marketplace. I looked for the who's the partner manager, right? And then that partner manager, we ended up making, you know, we had a call. How do we work together? How do I make you look good at your job? Now we start creating like this little circle of everyone kind of like, hey, yeah, John's cool. Yeah, no, you know, Lindsley's cool. And then we, we yeah. <laughs> so now you're making more connections. But the other thing you mentioned from stage is that you niched down. Yeah. Tell me what that actually means and why it's hard to do. Going from Shopify and then looking into the Shopify ecosystem and saying what is it, what it's missing, I think was also really like, and what it was missing is somebody that can do reliably small tasks or smaller sort of projects as opposed to the big ones, right? So what ends up happening there is hey, this big agency doesn't want my project because it's only five grand. Like, will you mm. help me out? Or this agency doesn't want to do this. It's like a five-hour task. Can you help me out? And those things, what I take all of that. And what we've been doing is those small five-hour tasks, when they're done with them, they come back later and buy more hours. So like, we're getting like this compounding interest of people coming back. So it sounds like basically last time we talked, you had this like kind of classic lumpy agency and what you're doing is backfilling some of this revenue with more smooth, more regular clients and a more repeatable marketing channel. A hundred percent. And it's gotten more profitable. How does that math work that it's more profitable? We raised our prices. And the reason we raised our prices is because, well, like everyone's just much better at what they do. You might hire somebody that's not a professional. It might take them double the time. But everyone just does these things so much that you were like, oh, yeah, we have already seen this problem. We can take care of it. They're happy to pay for that time they saved, right? It's one of these simple things that's not easy, but raising prices can sometimes happen in a vacuum, but it typically happens. This is like original Adam Smith throwback relative to demand. So like if you have demand for your product, you can raise your prices. And demand is something that you create for your business in your niche. You're one of one. Yep, you nailed it. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about it. But, but yeah, you don't feel bad raising your prices when there's people like we have people like, hey, we want to, can we start today? Can we start tomorrow? And I'm like, oh, damn, I have these people that are, that are paying me my old rate from a year ago. We have to raise our rates or get rid of them. There's too much opportunity cost. 
What's your distilled new take and advice for those on the first or second year of running their agency at this point? One of the things that I wish I would have did was one thing that you can't skip, I think, is doing like the crappy work, right? Like you're going to get clients that you hate. You're going to get work that you hate. I think that's all part of the journey. But what you do in that journey is you learn what it is you're good at and what it is your team is good at and how to build a team around that. I think that if I could talk to me two years ago, I would tell him like, hey, once you figure out who it is you want to work with, don't waste your time trying to like look at SaaS or anything like just go all in on that. And then after you get to the goal you want to figure out what the next step is, because I wasted like about a year and a half, just like I already knew that this was it. I even talked about Shopify the last time I spoke with you. But for some reason, I don't know why I didn't go all in. It's like, just go all in on the thing you know, as opposed to like, when you know, you know, I feel like, and you should just go all in on it. Big shout out to my guy, John Solorzano for coming by the show. You can check out what he's up to over at solomediagroup.co. Just want to say, I remember the first time I met John. I remember that podcast we did together in 2020. I remember him up on stage at DCBKK and joining us today for the pod. He's just so much fun to be around. Such an authentic guy and just genuine, helpful, super fun to do this episode and to watch John's progress. Instant invite, John, whenever you want to come back to the TMBA pod, we want to hear more of your story. And just reflecting on what John's doing here with the content marketing, if you follow him on Instagram, it's really interesting. He's doing, you know, what you see a lot of influencers doing that have larger audiences that might be more general topics, but he's doing really, really niche content that might resonate with a couple handfuls of people and it's making a big difference. And I think that's really empowering is that in today's day and age of hyper nicheification, like you just need couple handfuls of great clients to have a great business and you can often find them on social media so check out what john's doing to get some inspo there that's it for this week as always we'll be back next thursday morning 8 a.m eastern time hey thanks for listening to the tropical mba podcast you can go to tropicalmba.com get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.